Hello, music friends. I'm excited today to have Angela Breidenbach with me. She's going to talk about her Rocky, is it Rocky Mountain series? Queen of the Rockies series. Queen of the Rockies series. Yes. And she is a fellow musician and author. She loves to write about, uh, I guess, the kind of the Northwest, the Rocky Mountain area in Montana. And she also incorporates a lot of musical elements in her fiction. So welcome, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. I was just really delighted, Ashley. Thank you. And what a it's fun Christmas thing. Have you noticed that we're both wearing green today? We are because we're recording this literally, I guess it's about nine before days Christmas? before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's perfect. Uh, well, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your oh, sure. journey in writing and music? It's It's been quite the journey. And I think that's what, if I could encourage anyone out there wanting to write their story, um, just start learning, just start learning. I started learning because I was writing um, articles and youth group ministry programs. And then I started selling to group magazine. And it was the first time I'd ever, you know, sold anything. And it, it was really funny because it came out that was in like uh, 1999, I think when I was a youth group minister. And oh, nice. uh, it was funny because I in it came out in a book in 2006. And I had no idea because it had been in their magazine. And I didn't understand rights or anything like that and signed all my rights away. And oh, no. um, I thought, Oh, my goodness, my first book is coming out. And it was like 2011, like 10 years ago, right? My first book came out, right? Only to find out it was not my first book. <laughs> That I had. Wow, been I haven't heard of that book. happening before. Yeah, I had. I'd had the piece included in um, the 2006 book from Group Magazine, and it had. It has the craziest title ever. But if you're a youth group worker, you really want to get it. But it's something, and I get nothing for it because <laughs> I oh. signed the rights away. Yeah. Oh, that is it was something idea. like the best of the best of Group Magazines. I don't know. <laughs> You can find right. it on my website because I was I was really um, tickled by it, and that I that was your first book. Yeah, that was my first yes. book without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, since then, I've written about eighteen books, and wow. I write a lot of historical um, fiction with elements of romance because it's more about the history than the romance for me. Um, but I want it to be entertaining and enjoyable, and I write clean and wholesome, sweet. Um, sometimes there's elements of faith in there. When I add faith in there, I add it because it's in, it's crucial for the characters. And a lot of people right. uh, try to separate those things out these days. But in all reality, you believe in something. And so do your characters. And so I, I do add all of their holistic element um, so that they're, they become more real. And I like to write, uh, I love writing about, you know, Montana, but I, I also love to write about Scotland and um, Pennsylvania and that kind of a thing. So it's really fun. But I live in Montana. And this idea started from some research that I was doing. And it just blossomed. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> Helena is called the Queen City of the Rockies. And so um, this is the Queen of the Rockies series. And I had always wanted to play the harp. It's like this really big deal to me. Always wanted to play the harp, oh. and I got stuck playing the oboe. And I that wasn't your I, thing. <laughs> no, um, to all you oboe players out there, you oboists, I I think you're wonderful, but it was not the instrument for me. 
it, it embarrassed me as a you know fifth grader to 10th grader to be the one that they always wanted to feature in a solo but I always sounded like a squawking duck so oh, just, no. oh. it didn't didn't take to me <laughs> that wasn't your that wasn't your calling yes they do get to tune no. the orchestra though which is pretty cool <laughs> yes oh they didn't so, want to when did you switch to harp then what kind of when did you switch over um just about a year and a half ago and oh wow um, yeah so I've, I've been trained in voice all my life and um I I can play piano a little bit. I'm no great pianist, but I, you know, I can do, I did a first couple of years in piano as probably a lot of kids did, but my, my great instrumental love has always been the harp and I, I could just sit and stare and stare. And there's a restaurant in Las Vegas, which is actually where I was born. And oh, there, really? it's, yes. And it's an over a hundred year old restaurant called the bootlegger. And there is oh, a, a master harpist there on Thursday nights. And so I happened to go one night, not knowing this and found out about him. And uh, so I, every time I go to Vegas, I try to go to the bootlegger and just listen to him because he's amazing, you know? So it's really fun to me. I'm being pushed around. I never thought of Vegas as like the harp, you know, (laughs) I never put those two together, but. Oh, you wouldn't at all. Yeah. And so he, he really inspired me. And then um, I, I ended up buying a harp um for for myself and I had it specially made and I've been trying to learn it but of course work and writing and family and all right I'm, I'm <laughs> just an advanced beginner I can pluck out a couple of tunes and entertain myself so far but uh, I haven't been able to be as consistent as I wanted and I give myself grace on that because it's like life is busy life is crazy and I'm a genealogist and a um writer and a speaker. And so I consider right now harp my therapeutic hobby. And, and yes. it's just for me. And I love that. And I think some people forget that your hobby is about um, bringing joy to your own life. And it's nice if that brings joy to others, but it's really for me, you know, for you. So that's where the, the harpist came from in um, Queen of the Rockies was she needed a talent for this um this event that she was going to be in and so i made her a harpist because it fit with 1889 and it was a very oh yes that would make sense well tell us a little bit more about queen of the rockies and maybe if you even want to read a little passage about the harp if you're willing to sure thank you for asking that's fun um her name is callista and um in 1889 montana became a state well what a lot of people didn't realize was uh, Montana and the city of Helena were on the brink of becoming unimportant because the gold mines and the silver mines and all these things were closing and it's getting into the end of the uh, Gilded Age. So this is a Gilded Age romance and uh, she's the first book in a six book series and I just I, I loved getting into the research for her and then found all these other little tidbits so I added in some genealogically important information for people that uh, want to maybe trace their family history in um, Montana and all of these people that were crucial to Montana becoming a state. So she became a state in um, the fall of 1889. And all these people are like, now what are we going to do? They think that we're the Wild West. And yet this city, Helena, Montana, was one of the most modern 
and elegant cities of, of the time. It was one of the first cities that was had full electricity and they had sidewalks and, and they had this hilarious battle between two real men that owned different train lines and they went through Helena as trolleys, but these two men didn't like each other and they were so competitive to each other that they wouldn't allow their trolleys, one going east-west, one going north-south, to meet up on time. So everybody's always late to work. And when oh, I no. found that, it just cracked me up. And I was like, oh, I want to know more, right? So I put that into this fun that book. That is so and stuff. cool. Yeah. And, the, and this little gal, she's, uh, Callista is a debutante, which was a thing, you know, at the time. We, we don't really In have. 1889. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she steals a child off the streets. And she ends up using music as therapy with this little girl, Leah. And we were talking prior to starting about how our love of cats, right? Well, yes. there's a little kitten that is in Aww. this story. And it just, it's really fun. So, um, but chapter 17 has uh, a bit about the, um, about the harp and, and the music that I used in it. And it's set at Christmas time which is really fun. So they, that's why they we, did. we decided we would go ahead and do the interview now instead of waiting till the new year, because I thought, oh, this will be a Christmas gem. We've got to, we've got to talk about it. <laughs> well, and the thing I have to, I have to give a dis disclaimer here is that I've never read this out loud before. <laughs> oh, sorry. I kind of put you on the spot. You don't have to, but I always think it's kind no, of fun no, to hear fun. the passages <laughs> since music fiction is my thing. And I like to hear how it plays the plays a role. I, in fiction, I, I so. want to know more about that from you. I think that's fascinating and brilliant, by the way, absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank um, you. They should, people should follow you on Facebook so that they can get the, uh, the, uh, beautiful music that you and your family do. Oh, thank you. Um, I apologize. In Helena, Montana in 1889, Callista practiced the music for the talent show on Saturday. She had three days to master and memorize this piece on her double action pedal harp. Tchaikovsky's Dance of the Sugar Plum, Plum Fairy would be lovely if she could concentrate on the fingerings. Callista leaned into the instrument and pressed her cheek into the smooth, intricately carved wood. Why couldn't she get her brain and her hands to connect? The harp had been her favorite instrument and to the surprise of the sisters assigned to teach music at St. Benedict's. The thought of performing in public set her into a dither, but her fingers stumbled on the strings as Callista plucked the chords for this classical piece. She could play away in a manger and set her mind on Leah's face. Every night, Callista, after she excused herself, tucked Leah in and sang the Christmas song for Leah's lullaby. Leah knew the sound of the notes and the little by little found them with the fingerings Callista taught on the penny whistle. When everyone went about their business in town and the house emptied, Callista and Leah had spent hours learning the simple pipe so Leah could entertain herself. Callista plucked the strings on her harp and Leah would match the tone on the penny whistle. Then she'd show her what it looked like on the piece of music. The little girl picked up the instrument as if she'd been born with it in her hand. Music flowed easily for Leah. She continued to grow in confidence and beauty as nourishment and care wrapped her in love. Music was fast becoming a healthy, expressive outlet for her. Callista stopped playing as a pang flicked at her heart. Regardless of the outcome, Leah would be gone in a few days. What would she do if the pageant winnings went to someone else? This was her chance to buy Leah's freedom and find her a new home. 
Without the money for the dead woman's debt? No, under no circumstances would she give Leah back to that monstrous man. So that's wow, that's like, caught my attention. <laughs> yes. It goes on and there's more about music, but. Um, oh, yes. I love how it speaks, though, to, you know, kind of touching her soul and expressing, you know, expressing her emotions. And I think that's what music does for people, you know. I think so, too. And I think um, sometimes when I am deeply in, you know, like you're mourning someone, I've, I've lost parents and things like that um grandparents it's like certain songs uh really help me um and like you said they minister to your soul sometimes right. they bring you back to humor and um my grandpa was born in 1883 and he was really uh, yeah and he that's right around the, that same time period then except yes. he would have been a baby but are you right child. right but the, he would have been, yeah, he would have been six years old in this time frame. And a lot of what I write is kind of in the fascination of the time frame of my um, grandparents because they were so much older. And ironically, I was a very young mom. And I, but I wondered what life was like for them. And Christmas, since we're, you know, talking Christmas, um, my grandpa's family and my grandma's family, they, they played music. Um, my grandma had a pedal organ that you had to pedal oh, to get nice. the music to work. Right. And I grew yes. up playing with her pedal organ and um, my grandpa played harmonica. And oh, nice. so Christmases were very, if you want to call it, I don't know, Gilded Age, Victorian, you know, that, yes. that sort of Christmas that's in your mind of the olden times or whatever that was what my grandparents grew up with entertaining each other with song and poetry um, my grandpa wrote two poems oh i oh i have a beautiful poem by him hold on yes this is so cool because that's what i love that they had to they had to find their own entertainment and provide it for each other as opposed to you know just mindlessly absorbing entertainment but that they were engaged in the right. creation of of entertainment and so for me, it's like, I do teach my boy cubs. Those are my grandsons or my boy cubs uh, piano Cute. and um, oh, nice. boy cub one that came over. He, they all have to prepare a piece for me for Christmas Eve. Um, when we do Christmas yes. Eve at our house and they, um, and the youngest one, he uh, came over and he's just barely able to even reach the keys with his little fingers. And he said yeah. to me, Grammy, so I'm going to, I'm going to sing you two or three more songs. And I'm like, you are. And he's like, yes, I have songs for Christmassy. Okay. <laughs> you know, cute. and it, I think it's crucial that we do this, that it's not just singing carols, you know, together, but it's that, that real world connectivity that we don't get unless yes. we do things like this, talk to each other face to face, you know, and right. entertain each other. And, um, if, anyway, this is, I framed it. And um, this is, this is a poem my grandpa oh, wrote. Beautiful. And his name was Bertrand Rutherford Nelson. And he's from uh, Scottish, Irish, and English stock, right? And right. he says, you tell me I'm getting old. And this is so perfect for me right now. At 57 years old, <laughs> I think, <laughs> how old were you when you wrote this, grandpa? You know? Right. <laughs> But he would, he would actually recite this from memory at our family gatherings and things like that. And it's, it's really poignant. So tell me what you think. Okay. Yes. You're, you're on the ball on the, uh, the wire here right now. Right. Okay. 
So this is my grandpa's writing, not mine. Okay. You tell me I'm getting old. I tell you that's not so. The house I live in is worn out. And that, of course, I know. It's weathered many a gale. I'm really not surprised to know. It's getting somewhat frail. The color's changing on the roof. The window's getting dim. The wall's a bit transparent and looking rather bare. The foundation's not so steady as once it used to be. My house isn't me. My few short years can't make me old. I feel I'm in my youth. Eternity lies just ahead, a life of joy and truth. I'm going to be young forever there. Life will go on. It's great. You tell me I'm getting old. You just don't understand. The dwelling is my little house. It's young and gay and bright. Just starting on a life to last throughout eternal day. You only see the outside, which is all that most folks see. You tell me that I am getting old. You've mixed my house with me. Oh, that's adorable. That's beautiful. Isn't oh, it? How he I combines mean, not... kind of that physical house with his spirit. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. And what's really fascinating to me is it's not even perfect. As a, as a writer, I can look through and go, oh, he's, he's got his, you know, he's missing it. But and at the same time- You're trying to get your meter or your rhyme. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And yet at the same time, I look at this and I'm like, I love that. It spoke to me my whole life, you know, and yes. he did it. Um, probably much better than I would in, you know, performance uh, for the family, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, oh, and he, he would so play cute. his harmonica and he would sing. And um, one of the songs he would sing is Oh, Happy Day, which is an old, you know, um, hymn. And then he would also do Listen to the Mockingbird. And, you know, there's, I'm sure a few others, you know, but those are the ones that immediately come to mind. And so right. when I think of him, I, I can partially recite this in my mind, you know, and I think of listen to the mockingbird, listen to the mockingbird, right? And you just, right. you start and to it still realize. stays in your soul. Yeah. And how poetry is a part of music and there's a, in, yes. in writing, um, how you make sure you've got either the alliteration or the rhyme or the pentameter. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, right. Um, and it's just there's so many different things about it that really speak into our souls and who we are. Yes. And I love that you are really about adding music to your uh, writing because I think it's it is a, a part of our soul. And I think we were meant to yes. be that way. Yeah. I think so. And I think they're connected, you know, like you were just saying the poetry, poetry and music, there's, there's such a fine line between those two because they really, you know, meld together. Um, I'm also the granddaughter of a poet and she's still alive. She's 95, just had her birthday this week. Yes. And so she's still writing and she's still playing the piano. So she's just such an inspiration. And for her, yeah, just the poetry and the music all, you know, comes together. Yeah, it's just this this interwoven, you know, piece of of us that I don't know. I think I'm a writer because my grandpa was a writer, you know, and 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 yet even then the world was so different the way that they did things. Um, They didn't care that it wasn't perfect. And we're so worried about being perfect today that I just think that we need to stop that. Let the art kind of flow and not, if you wait until it is perfect, sometimes you'll never, you know, you know, you'll never produce the art, whether it's music or poetry or fiction writing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, that was absolutely beautiful and definitely spoke to my heart. And it's kind of fun to feel like you're connecting to somebody from that was born in 1883 is just really, Mm -hmm. really special connection. So, and I think growing up with that kind of a holidays and expectations of sharing your performance, uh, we were talking earlier too, about the fact that, you know, you've grown up performing. Well, that's, that was just an expectation. And I knew you know, the words to all those hymns and things like that, because that was how I connected with my grandpa. And so, you know, and my grandma too. So yeah, but my, I'm trying to make sure that uh, Muse, if anybody knows us out there as Muse and writer, he is now behind my computer um, pestering. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Yes. He knows you're on an interview. He does. And now he's playing with even, I, I brought up a piece of music and he's, Oh, what child he this? finds that fascinating. What child is this? <laughs> yeah, well, I have to ask, what's your favorite Christmas hymn since we're in Christmas time? I have, I have a couple of favorites. Um, I love what child is this? Uh, it just, it comes out of that, um, definitely that Celtic background, you know, yes. and things that I love. Um, I love Silent Night because I had a music teacher whose name was Mr. Sheehan and I adored him. And he's passed recently, but ever since I was a teenager and I was in a jazz choir, the, um, the song silent night, he had us, uh, create our own harmonies and do it jazz style, like a jazz ballad. Mm -hmm. And so, and of course, every church plays it the last song of, of midnight mass. Right. And so that one is really close to my heart. It makes me think of Mr. Sheehan. It makes me think of Jesus. It makes me think of the blessings in my life. Um, even though it's about, you know, the birth of Jesus, there's so much emotion tied up in that song for me. Yes. Oh, so much. And then there's one that is just the, um, it's weirdly the repetition of it, but the Carol of the Bells. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to learn on a harp and it's really comical. (laughs) Oh, you're trying to get the polyphony. You're trying to have all the multiple layers. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Forget it. Yeah. I'm right now just trying to do left-hand chords and a, and it's going slow. So (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. Maybe by, by next Christmas, you'll be like, I've got it. (laughs) Yeah. I can do what child is this slowly on the harp, but not fast enough for performance. I can do, you know, a few things like that, but yeah. So well, you're still a fairly beginner at the harp, but seasoned musician. So yeah. (laughs) Well, let us know a little bit um, about where we can find you and your books and the giveaway that you're willing to offer uh, listeners or viewers. Oh, I'm so excited for this giveaway. All the fun, the fun goodies. <laughs> yeah, fun goodies. Um, the Queen of the Rockies series actually has six books in it. And they started releasing September, October, November, December, and January, February. Well, I've just Yay. finished turning in the January and February books. And the covers are just gorgeous. So I would like to give away to one of your viewers the entire series of Queen of the Rockies in ebook. All Thank I need you. from them is their uh, email and then it'll come across as a gift. Um, and that is, and they'll get all, all six books. They'll get five and six early because they're not really? out. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. So you get the special, the special offer. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is open to um, 
any of my subscribers can anyone uh, all over the world apply. because it's an ebook. <laughs> yes, yes. So you don't even have to be in the U.S. I know that. Um, I feel like music is such an international language. So I've worked to have you know my audience not be just U.S. centric. Um, so yes, any of my subscribers can. Um, maybe make a comment on either Facebook or YouTube on this on this post and we'll enter you for the for the drawing and I will let you know before Christmas if you want, hopefully within the next couple of days. And that way you can have the chance to read it over your Christmas or at least start reading over your Christmas holiday. So really thanks. fun. And both uh book one and book two really do have um book one is definitely Christmas and it goes through uh Three Kings Day on January 6th. And book two kind of does a year round thing, but they do have a big um, moment um, that fits the Christmas theme. So, yeah. Oh, perfect. And there's lots of music in that one, too. So, yes. Yeah, so, perfect. Is that the music teacher one? Is that right? Yes. Uh -huh. yes. So perfect. Well, people are on Christmas break. So, perfect reading. All mm -hmm. right. And where can they also follow you and meet uh, your kitty muse and everything online? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for asking. My name is Angela Breidenbach, and you can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com. That's B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And any social media is just, it's shortened because I have such a long name. So it's just shortened to Ange, A-N-G, Ange Breidenbach. And that's any social media that, you know, you'll find me there. So, and Muse and is, he just pops up when he feels like uh, posting a photo and typing in his conversation with me on uh, anything from Instagram to Facebook and, you know, my website, wherever. Perfect. <laughs> and he is perfect. perfect. Here. No pun intended. <laughs> no, no, right? And of course there is a pun intended. He's sitting here. There so if you haven't here met. Is. Oh, he even made a, made an appearance. Yeah. Muse made an oh. appearance. He's been, uh, he's been chasing down cords and things here. So I'm, it was either yes. grab him or the computer was going down. <laughs> hey, that we'd rather see him. So, well, thanks so much for being with us, being here with us, Angela and Muse. And I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Ashley, and to all of your oh. viewers. Thank you for being here. Thank you.